It's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode nine, and we're feeling fine. On today's episode, we talk about buck naked hostel horror, going missing in the Aussie outback, and losing limbs on a solo hike. Grab your passports, let's go. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rails? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Ahoy! Hola, amigo. Hola. Welcome back to the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. This is episode nine. I'm Jules. I'm Christine. Episode nine, we're feeling fine. Almost at 10 episodes. That's so crazy. Almost in double figures. It doesn't feel like it's been that many episodes. Yeah, it's only been two months. I can't wait till we hit 100. Yeah. I mean, hey, every podcast starts with a single episode. Yes, I love that. Yeah, it's like that foot, every journey every starts with a... Foot, it's the foot quote. It's the foot quote, you know, the foot quote. Every, every every adventure starts with a single step. You know, Every you know stair it. starts with a step. Uh, something like that. Something, something like Some that. Some kind of motivational thing that you'd see on a poster with a, with a whale. Yes, or a like a beach tail. with birds. Yeah, something really generic. Or probably footprints in the sand, that footprints makes more in the sense. Sand, yeah. Yeah. You'd find it in a $2 shop. Yeah, we both named animals that don't walk with feet. No. So, inaccurate poster. Let's get back to it. It's episode nine. We have almost cracked the magical double figures of 10. I don't know why it's magical. It just feels pretty magical to us because we've been loving this adventure. And we know you voyagers who are listening to us have been loving it too. We just got married. If you haven't listened to the last episode, it was pretty bloody good. It was crazy. It was very fun. We had lots of fun stories with our friends involved. I know our friends definitely loved it, so shout out to that crew and everybody who listened. And welcome to the new Voyagers, if you're listening for the first time. Ahoy there. Welcome. Welcome. You are now officially a passenger on this voyage. You are not uh, in first class yet. That takes a little bit of work. It takes some time. It takes some we'll time. We'll get you there, though. You're going to hear from one of our uh, our first class members today, though. Well, we're not going to hear from her. You're going to hear her story because we are going to tell one of our Voyager tales today from somebody who got in contact with us over Instagram, Kayleen. Uh, can't wait to... Kayleen, I hope that's how you pronounce her name. Can't wait to tell that story later on. But for now, we're just going to get into our normal format, which is in the news. We've got some great things that are happening in the news at the moment as well as our main stories. And I guess we might just start this off with a little wrap-up of what we've been up to. Oh, what have we been up to? We had a honeymoon. We had a honeymoon. We are back in the United States. Goodbye, Mexico. Got back last night. We were going to film this. uh, We were going to record this podcast episode from Mexico, get our second one. And then we just thought, you know what? We're just going to keep hanging out by the pool, drinking margaritas, eating Caesar salads, which we ate about two of of a day, and we relaxed, and this is why the podcast is a day late. We're sorry, guys. We're actually recording it on Monday. We know you usually have the podcast episode now, but- Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, We know we help your morning, Monday morning commute, make it more interesting, but we're just going to have to uh, make your Tuesday morning commute more interesting. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, guys. We're both sporting a little bit of a cold. We've been pretty run down, so our voices yep. are a bit crackly and Deal sniffly. with it. Deal with it and sniffly, but we're going to work through it. We're going to maybe just cut out any coughing just to make it just a little bit more easy if it's an experience for you. But our honeymoon was great. Nothing really uh, too bad happened to us. We just don't have any stories where things didn't go right for us at the moment. Um, we had a, we have a little bit of a story. Yeah. Um, we did the check of the hotel room. Oh, yes, We yes. looked for everything. We looked under the bed. We looked in the closet, da-da-da. 
We left. We're in the cab. We're on the way to the airport. And we decide to stop at the pharmacy to stock up on some things. And we say, where's the credit card? Oh, my gosh. We have left behind everything that was in the hotel safe. Everything. Including my wallet with the credit card. Jules's passport might need that to get on the flight. Oh, $1,200 in cash that we had from the wedding. And not not as gifts, but we had it from the something, you know, financial for the wedding. And we also uh, had the hard drive. The hard drive with all our pictures on it. All our travel photos backed up and all our work. Everything was in the safe. We had already checked out. We were already on the way to the airport. And we're like, oh, damn, we got to turn this cab around. So we're like, and the cab driver was awesome. He, he was, was very like, nice. He was like, at your service. Yes. At tu servicio. Si. And he ran back. I ran upstairs, grabbed the key from the, an extra key from the front desk, went up. And luckily, uh, I the safe was already open anyway because Christine forgot to lock it. We're just really good travelers. We're just like expert travelers yeah. is what we are. But we got everything and everything was fine. But yeah, don't forget what you put in the safe. We don't use the safe that often, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, we never That's use why. the safe. That's why, yeah. We've never really had too much bad luck from hotels. We generally tra- tend to trust them, especially uh, a place like a, an est- well-established hotel like we were staying at. So we didn't usually put stuff in the safe. So we kind yeah. of just didn't think about it. Exactly. But anyway, we got it all back and it was fine. We had yeah. a great honeymoon. We had an amazing honeymoon. It was so fun. We're back in California and we are just getting straight back into the podcast We're looking at In the News, and Christine's going to go first today. Oh, am I? Okay, here we go. So my In the News story is actually from about a year ago, and I'm not sure- Breaking news here on the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. Breaking news. Um, I feel like this is a story out of England, but I don't know exactly, because this is the story of a guest that was invited to a wedding- And the bride had a very specific demand of what all the guests should be wearing to the wedding. All right. And so there's a Facebook post. Are you doing wedding theme, though? I did. Well, originally we were going to do a destination wedding theme. Yeah. Uh, So that's where this is from. But it's on topic. We're not doing that theme fully. My in the news is also wedding related. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But we're not doing a wedding episode. We did that last week. You should definitely listen to it if you haven't. We're not doing a wedding episode. This is not a wedding episode, but this is about a wedding. So basically, this bride is demanding that guests wear a certain attire. Not only is it really expensive what these people have to wear, but it also depends on how much you weigh. So for example, so this is uh, something that a guest for this wedding has leaked online and people can now read it. So women who weigh 100 to 160 pounds must wear a green velvet sweater, orange suede pants, Louboutin heels. Which wait, wait, so green and orange. Automatically, I'm thinking that there's some kind of really Wonka, Oompa Loompa themed thing going on here. I don't know what the theme is, but basically she, this bride is saying everybody needs to wear this because when they do their synchronized dance, it's going to make everything look really amazing. It's, everybody's just going to pop which is hilarious. So not only do they have to wear the green sweater, the orange pants, Louboutin heels, which are like $1,000 or something. They're really expensive. They're like the red-bottomed heels that Cardi B raps about. A Burberry scarf. So this is for women 100 to 160 pounds. Men 100... Is this story about travel? 
Uh, it's a destination wedding. Okay. Yeah, it's a, a Hawaii the travel aspect. It's the this. Hawaii wedding. Okay, so it's a special Hawaii wedding. So this is a destination wedding. Everybody's paying a lot of money Let's to go to theme, the wedding. Christine. Okay, well, a lot of people are paying a lot of money to go to this wedding. Like wherever they're from, I'm thinking it's from England, based off uh, the like language used. Okay. And it's in yeah Hawaii 2019. And not only do they have to pay to go to this wedding, but they have to spend a ton of money on their attire. And it's just and this been is not people. Is this people in the bridal party? or is This, this is just, everybody. everybody. Every single person to go to the wedding. Every single guest. Yes. And not only that, but men who are over 200 pounds have to wear all camouflage. Camouflage? Camo. Who's designing the style and for this women, destination wedding? Women who are over 160 pounds have to wear all black everything. Completely black sweater and pants, o- and if you're a woman over 200 pounds, just don't come. Yeah, basically. So it's basically saying if you're if you're on the heavier side, we want you to just not be seen. Essentially, blend in. Yes. So yeah. So this whole thing is leaked. It's been crazy. She basically wants you to spend a thousand dollars. She said it says your outfit should be at least a thousand dollars, including and also on top of that, the price to get to Hawaii for this destination wedding. So it's not. A completely travel-related story, but it's a destination wedding story, which was our original theme. And uh, Christine just rolled with it. And I found this story when we were going to do that theme, which we no longer are. So that is my in-the-news story. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. So did people go to the wedding? Um, I'm not sure. But then a second thing leaked that she is going to be having a lie detector party and everybody who's invited to the wedding has to come to the lie detector party and take a lie detector test to see if they were the ones that leaked this story oh i can't wait to to find out who they everyone should just say i leaked it yeah exactly and apparently if you don't go to the uh lie detector party you will be presumed guilty is she famous this person we don't know. We don't know who the bride is. She sounds like a loser. She sounds terrible, like so bridezilla. Uh, and yeah, it's just crazy. So it's pretty interesting. If you Google bride demands guests wear 1K attire, like $1,000 attire, you can see the full list of everything that everybody needs to wear. It's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, well, we're now officially a wedding podcast, are we? Well, it's a destination wedding <laughs> Alrighty. Well, while we're sticking on the wedding theme, because we're now officially a travel wedding podcast, mm. I have something that is in the news, and this is something that is a little bit more recent. And it is, well, it's not so much as something that went wrong, but I did think it was quite a bizarre story. Interesting. I don't know. I thought I wanted, I wanted to tell you, Christine, I also wanted to tell our voyagers the story to see what their thoughts were, what your opinions were. Um, but it is not where anything goes terribly bad, but it's very interesting. So meet Kathy and David. David is from Australia, and Kathy is from our not-too-distant neighbor, New Zealand. Back in 2011, the couple met while playing an online game called Airport City. Ever heard of it? No. Me either. I had to Google it. Airport City is like one of those games, one of those building simulators, kind of like SimCity, Rollercoaster okay, roller Tycoon. Rollercoaster Tycoon, yeah. Yeah, I know that so one. you build the perfect airport. I don't know. It seems very niche, but very apparently niche. it has like 100,000 downloads or 10 million downloads. I don't know. I looked it up. Who knows? But it's very popular. I'm not sure how they met while playing the game. I'm not sure if there's some kind of chat feature. I didn't really want to look too much into it. I was already starting to feel like a nerd. But they met They uh, they met through the chat feature or whatever it is. 
Two years later, either way, they met for the very first time in person in Sydney Airport. They became a couple and their relationship grew. Oh, they met in the airport. That's cute. They met in an airport. So fast forward to 2019, Kathy and David have been together for a while. They're airport slash aviation lovers. They're planning their wedding and they're looking for something fun and unique to do. They contact Jetstar, which you will be familiar with, is a low-cost Australian airline, and they pitch them a very special flight idea. Unable to decide on whether they should get married in Australia or New Zealand, the happy couple decide to split the difference and get married exactly in the middle. That's cute. I like that. But how do they do that? Do they get married in the middle of the ocean? Oh, no, they don't. (laughs) They hit up Jetstar and they organize to get married at 37,000 feet, saying their vows and their I do when the plane hits the exact halfway mount between their two countries. So there you go. Wow, that's, that's very cute. So passengers on board flight 201 were informed that there would be some filming, but they weren't told what it was going to be. Oh, so they didn't fill their plane with gas. No. Oh, I thought you meant they like basically chartered it. No, no, that's what I thought originally. So what they did is they they asked Jetstar, they said, hey, we've got this idea. We want to get married on a plane mid-flight between our two countries. Exactly when we hit the midpoint, we, we do the ceremony, we say I do, and there we go. And Jetstar's like, great, love it. Obviously, jumping straight onto it for marketing purposes, they go, love it, fantastic, can't wait to get on board. So they organize to do a film crew, get it all set up like that. They don't tell the passengers, the other passengers that are on the flight. They just tell them that there's going to be some filming on their flight. If they'd like to be refunded or if they'd like their flight changed, they can do that free of charge. But otherwise, there's going to be filming and they have to sign a release. That's interesting. So Kathy, she boards a flight in her wedding dress and veil, holding a bouquet. David in his suit, she literally walks down the aisle. The wedding is officiated by a Jetstar crew member, and they did the ceremony, everyone cheers, and they got post-wedding shots in the cockpit. That's adorable. And they got married on a plane. Is it kind of like a boat where like, if you're a sea captain, you are <laughs> automatically can do weddings? Well, you know that I we're wonder. still looking for an aviation law specialist yes if you are an aviation lawyer we are very interested yeah so they actually so a little caveat to this story they're actually legally married in sydney before they left for the flight because i don't mm. think i don't think the jet star person was qualified okay to do i mean you can get ordained on the internet in like 15 minutes but whatever well, whatever lazy jet star crew La- i mean when you know how i feel about you those airline people about airline crew uh, so yeah, so the, basically they uh, they did all that. So I just thought it was an interesting story. So it wasn't exactly nothing went. It wasn't like and then they got married and the plane crashed and they died. Oh my god, that would be so bad. <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting story because it was because yes, as Christine said with her last story, we were, we were looking originally at sort of weird wedding or destination wedding stories uh, to be a little bit on theme because we're still in that wedding mode. You know, we're trying to milk it a little bit longer, uh, but that's it. We're done now. We're done. That is so cute. I really like that. And you know what the weirdest thing is? I actually didn't, I, I can't, I didn't want to go too much in this story because I didn't want to spend too much time. But as a weird little tidbit, yesterday when we were flying back, shout out to Alaska Airlines, not sponsored, just oh, really. Alaska, fudge. What? I have to do something really quick. On our Instagram stories, I accidentally shouted out um, United and it was Alaska. I have to delete our story right now. Oh, Okay. So Christine, I was like some- Becky from United hashtag United at United, and oh. it was definitely uh, Alaska. 
Okay, well, well, Christine uh, is live Instagramming right now Fudge. from the podcast. My shout out to Alaska was that they were obviously a great airline. We had a lot of fun. But my story, my, my small little tidbit story was that when I was reading the in-flight magazine, I actually read a story about one of their airline crew who goes above and beyond. It was like a little interview with her. And she actually talked about how uh, on one of the flights, she organized for a couple to get married mid-flight on their way to Alaska. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, so shout out to Olga. Uh, we didn't personally meet her, but she seems like she's uh, really killing it over at Alaska. That's awesome. Very cool airlines out there marrying people, getting married in the skies. Yeah, and I worked out, uh, based on Kathy and David getting married at the midway point on their flight, I actually just worked out, seeing as we just got married, that if we had to get married exactly halfway... So if we didn't go for across the Pacific and get married in the middle of the ocean, if we went, uh, what was it, east? So if we went from California across, no, is that west? That's east. If we went east across the US, across the Atlantic, and then went to Australia that way, that the exact middle point between our two homes, we would be married at the Lopay National Park in Gabon, Africa. <gasps> that would have been so cool. So that's the exact point. It's almost... 8,000 miles, which is about 13,000 kilometers between the two. The halfway point, 4,000 miles, is right in the middle of Lopay National Park in Gabon, Africa. We have to go there. So now I feel like we have to go there and do a ceremony. We have to. I mean, we have to go. Okay. Should we go for our anniversary? Yeah, or we could go for some kind of reunion. That would be so cool. Reunion in Gabon. Everybody's invited. Don't know anything about it. Sure, it's beautiful. Sounds nice. I like it. There you go. Cool. That's awesome. Okay. So we're done with weddings. We're done. We're done. The we're weddings are done. over. The Goodbye. The weddings are over. Goodbye. If Goodbye, you want more everybody. weddings, uh, wedding stories, sorry. Look for a wedding podcast. Yeah, look for a wedding podcast. Christine will probably start one now. I might start one. Just- no way. I'm never starting. No, I'm not one of those people that like planned a wedding and then I'm like, oh, I love weddings. Oh, my God. No, I'm never getting married again. Hopefully. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> we're sick of weddings now. It's time to get stuck into work. Work. This podcast is all about when shit goes wrong on the road. Yeah, travel. And I'm going to roll straight into my main story now. Oh, you go, girl. It's called Kakadu, Where Are You? Oh, that's an adorable name. Okay, well, that's wait till you hear the story. Is it Kakadu, a bird? Like no, a Kakadu National Park in Northern Territory, Australia, this story comes from. Okay. In the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. Actually, my story title for the last one was Flight Fanatics. I'm back to labeling stories. Okay. I love it. Christine. I have a story label, but I'm worried it's going to give it away. Okay. So well, that's the that's the special the problem. It's that's an the art. special skill of being able to label your story, but not give it away. So my main story is called Kakadu, Where Are You? It's a story of 31-year-old French tourist Jan Burit. Probably have not pronounced his name right. Probably not. Back home in France, he's a beer brewer from Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Bordeaux, which is famous for wine. Ugh, Bordeaux wines are so good. Just a deep red. I love a deep red. But as of August 2019, he's out exploring around Australia. I'm not sure if he got there. You go, Jan. You get out there. I don't know if he got there earlier. I don't know when, but I know he's there in August because this is when this story happens. Nice. He's in a beaten up white Mitsubishi van and he's exploring the incredibly diverse country of Australia. And he's up in the Northern Territory, which if you know anything about it, it's very barren and very mm. vast. Mm. People traveling through the center of Australia pass into it. They might see Uluru, which is an iconic landmark in Australia. They might go up to Darwin. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot to do there. 
Mm. It's hot, but there's some beautiful spots. Mm. So he goes to check out Kakadu. Kakadu National Park is a famous spot right at the very top of Australia. It's about 200, 300 k's or 200 miles east of Darwin. Very diverse rivers, coastline, hiking. You know, it's a really nice place to check out. So Yarn arrives at Kakadu National Park and he's spotted by a ranger on a Saturday morning. Probably tips his hat and says, hello, ranger. He parks his car. I don't know. I just made that up. His, the ranger would definitely say, good day, mate. Good day, mate. And he would say, bonsoir. Bonsoir. Or, no, bonjour. Bonjour. Well, is it evening or is it daytime? I don't know. Let's just say it's morning. Okay. Bonjour. Bonjour. And the, and the ranger says, g'day, mate. Or he probably says, g'day, cunt. Uh, are we saying the C word on the podcast? I don't know. Are Probably we? Probably not. Probably not. Let's skip it. That's it. We can say fuck, but... Yeah, let's skip the C-bomb. Yeah, okay. But we're going to work our way into it. I hope you guys are ready eventually, for it. Eventually, we'll get there. I'm Australian, so it's going to come out. It's coming out. So he parks his shitty banged up Mitsubishi white van at the Gunlom Falls car park, which is a popular campsite in the southern part of the park. He takes his personal belongings... Oh, not all of them, but he takes most of his personal belongings and he heads into the park. I don't know how many stories our voyagers know about Central Australia or places in the middle of Australia, but whenever a story starts off with somebody, sort of a tourist, a backpacker, going, walking out <laughs> walking out into the middle of nowhere, I start to think of things like Wolf Creek oh, and, yes. and other crazy stories about missing backpackers and all that cra- crazy shit that goes on. Which I think we should definitely cover at some stage. Oh, yeah. We're definitely we covering that. We should do that. an Australia special. A missing Australia traveler special. Oh, that could just go on forever. You I mean, that could be a whole about, podcast. Yeah, it really that'd could. Be, I think nobody would visit Australia after that yeah, podcast. I'll be doing my country no service. Yeah. Anyway, Jan is off in Kakadu National Park alone. He's got a few items. His car's back at the car park. A few, day, a few days go past. And the rangers notice that Jan's car is still in the car park and it hasn't moved. Hmm. So he hasn't gone back to it. Sus. They raise the alarm on Tuesday. So he goes on Saturday. So a couple of days later on Tuesday. Is there actually an alarm like... Missing tourist. Missing tourist. Raise the alarm. So they raise the alarm. Or they raise the roof. I don't know. They raise something. They're raising something. Uh, they raise the alarm with the national, the Northern Territory Police and a search party uh, forms and they start trying to track him down. So on Tuesday, they do a sweep through the area looking for him. They use a helicopter. They patrol the area. They go to the campsite, but he's nowhere to be seen. Where are you, Jan? Jan, where are you? Uwe Jan. On Wednesday, they return to search the area again. By this stage, they've identified who the guy is. Mm-hmm. They've put out some calls. They, they can't find any information about where he is. They go out with more helicopters, more search parties, everything like that. Basically, he's mysteriously disappeared is this i'm guessing this would be a very flat countryside no this is kakadu national park so it's got waterfalls it's oh, okay got, so you, know, you could be hidden it's yeah. not like just red barren no, 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 outback no, no. so he's not just buried in a shallow grave somewhere he could be under a rock he could be at the bottom of a waterfall uh, he could be in some sex dungeon in the middle of nowhere who knows probably that so one. he's gone missing Please make a statement uh, once they identify who Jan is. They're saying, saying that they think he's been in Australia for a while, that he's a young male, so he's 31. They're hoping he's fit and healthy and able to survive out there while they continue to search for him. They have no idea if he's equipped. They have no idea if he's got equipment. They don't know if he's got food, whatever. Five days in, things are looking a little grim for Jan. He's still, the searchers are still not any closer to finding out where he is. They get in contact with his family and his girlfriend back home. 
They're starting to freak out. Everyone's getting a little bit worried. He's five days missing, and they're no closer to finding out where he is. Can I ask a question? Yes. It's August, so it's winter in Australia. Well, in the, in no, not up there. Oh, there, <laughs> is it? Is there like no seasons up there? Basically, I mean, there's raining and there's not raining. Okay, but it's always hot. Okay, it's always I think hot. It's tropical. What what kind of heat are we talking here? Do you know? Uh, in, in August, I don't know. In F, not I don't C. Know. No idea. Okay. 80, 90. Okay. But there's running water. Like, it's a park, though. Like, it's a... It's a so not, it's definitely not, not snowing or anything oh, no, like no, that. Oh, no, 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 no. It'd be hot. Okay, hot. Yeah, it'd be hot. Got it. Then there's a breakthrough. <gasps> through. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. A breakthrough. Jan walks out of the park. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jan's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Jan walks out of the park on day five or six. I think it's day six now. Completely unscathed and completely unaware that there's been this huge search party looking for him over the last few days. That's hysterical. Turns out he wasn't lost. He'd made a camp under a rock shelter, stayed there for five nights, and decided to spend his time writing children's stories. Oh, Yawn, you sweet, <laughs> simple man. I mean, is Yawn on acid or is he like... <laughs> I don't know what Yawn's on, but he seems very chill. This is what he quotes as saying, I was writing stories for children, philosophical stories, like simple situations for children, but adults can understand in other ways. That's adorable. I don't know if there's some kind of translation there because it kind of didn't make sense when I read that the first time and even when I read it back. But basically, Jan goes out to the middle to this, this place in Kakadu, makes himself a little shelter under a rock, and then he decides to write philosophical child stories for five days. He while, just wanted a little solo writing retreat. While a whole search party is going looking for him. That's so funny. He says that during his stay, he heard helicopters above him, but he didn't realize they were out there looking for him. He just thought it was tourists. Oh, my God. He says, I was in a little cocoon, and then I came out, and I didn't expect all this to happen. Like, no shit, you just disappeared. <laughs> you sweet, sweet, simple yarn. So he made some kind of – so he was camping 15 minutes outside the campground in a spot. He didn't have – he wasn't supposed to. He didn't have a permit, and he didn't tell anyone where he was going – how long he was going for, but he did have enough water and food for his stay, hmm. and he made a little shelter, uh, and that's why the helicopters couldn't see him because he was under this little rock shelter. Oh. All right. So the story doesn't end there, though. Jan, he gets out of Kakadu, but when he gets back to his van, all of his documentation has been taken by the police, hmm. including his wallet, and he, so he's got no money, oh. and his car is very low on petrol. Oh. And he's got about 400 kilometers which is about uh, two twenty two thirty miles to drive back to Darwin. Can't didn't the police give him a ship back? I don't know. That's no, very no. Because odd. I guess he showed up. By the sounds of this, it sounds like he must have showed up to his van. Oh, and, and oh, he had no idea. He's just like all my stuff's gone. Yeah, what the hell? They might, they might have left a note or something there, but they took all of his stuff. Wow. So he had no idea how to get back. So he he jumps in the van, starts heading towards Darwin, which is a good. Yeah, 350 or something k's away. He's running low on money. Along his drive, this part of the story is very unclear because they kind of just skimmed over it. But this is what I deciphered, and I'm pretty sure this is how it goes, which is bizarre, which I would have loved to hear more about this part of the story. Along his drive, he picks up a hitchhiker who's, how, who's able to help him out by selling a knife that the hitchhiker is traveling with. Okay. They sell the knife to make some money in Pine Creek, which is about maybe halfway between the two. Okay. And then that gives him enough money to be able to get to Darwin. Wow, that must have been a nice knife. I yeah. I mean, I don't really <laughs> understand what what they just kind of skimmed out. There's like, you know, then he realizes he has no money and he has no wallet, 
And he gets a hitchhiker, sells a knife, and then they get to Darwin. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can we get some more info on that? Yeah, it was slow down on that one. Yeah. So basically that's what happens. So he makes it back to Darwin safe. Everything's all good. He gets his things back. He thanks everyone for looking for him. And he has some parting wise words for anyone who's heading into the bush or on a trip. He says, leave a little piece of paper. Write down the day you left, the day you come back. And if there's any way of having a permit, it's good to have that too. <laughs> yeah. And that's why you always leave, leave a, a note. note. Yes. So Great that, moral so that of the is, story. I think that Jan has already given our travel takeaway for this story is that if you are going for a walk or a hike, kind of like our bushwalking story a few episodes ago about the guy who broke his leg, uh, tell people where you're going. It's very mm. simple. Yes. Tell people where you're going. Leave a note. If you're leaving your car in a car park and you're going out solo, let people know where you're going or have one of those little GPS things. The dates are a really good idea because then it's like, okay, we know, you know, you should have been back a few days ago. You haven't been back yet. Yeah. If you're like, I left today, Saturday the 26th, and I'll be back on Monday the whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be the 28th. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> want to go into the math too hard. I wasn't going to go too far ahead and be like, then I'll be back on the Thursday. Then I'll be like, one, two, three. <laughs> math. It's not yep. a strong suit. So there you go. Jan made it safe. But That's he had a, a good story. He had a rough, he had a rough time. Poor Jan. Well, it seemed like he was pretty much okay. He was fine. Where can I buy his children's books? I don't know, but that would be a great. Wouldn't that be a great way to market? Like, if you just had a book coming out, and you'd be like, "Well, I'm because he was all over the news." Yeah. Because originally, so originally the the story, the not the procession, the the order of stories was tourists missing mm-hmm. in Kakadu because they know the car was there. Then the next thing was tourists identified as. Yarn, because then they first worked it out. And the next story is like, Yarn's okay. He was just chilling. Yarn's good. He's kicking it. So he's got a lot of he got a lot of coverage because especially up in that area, there's been there was a couple of instances of people that got injured during hiking and people go missing all the time and things like that. Oh. So like when he went missing, it was like, uh oh, not again. Uh oh. So there you go. But he's fine. Good. That's great. So it was I a not so bon voyage. It was a, it was a not, it was a nearly not so bon voyage for Jan, hmm. but a funny story all the same. Also, probably just camp where you're allowed to yes, camp. Don't you be know. a hero. Don't be one of those people. I know you want to be in your little woodsy riding, riding retreat under your little tree with the thing, and the the fairies are coming out, and you're writing the children's books, and da da da. But just, you know, stay there for the day and then go, go go camp with a permit where you're supposed to camp. Do the right thing. Do the right thing, Jan. This is your fault. Yeah. Just kidding. Well, kind of. <laughs> well, no, it is. It is. No, it totally is. Okay. Jan, this is your fault if you're listening. If you're listening, it's all your fault, Jan. Okay. <laughs> but you're fine and everybody everybody's fine. Yeah. So that's a good happy ending. Yeah. I like it. It's nice to have a happy ending. It is nice to have a happy ending. Do you have a happy ending? In my story, everybody dies. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually have a pretty happy ending. I was actually researching a story that was much sadder, but very interesting. But I've decided to save that for when, I don't know, a different episode, when I feel more dark and moody and want to tell a sad story. When we do a really dark theme. The dark episode. I'm going to save it for that. That was great. Thank you for telling that story. No worries. I've ne- I never even heard of that. What year was that? Uh, that was recently. It was this year in August. Oh, it was this year? Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Okay. There's so many travel stories out there. So many, and they hey, happen every day. They happen every day, and if you've got a travel story, and if you see a travel, an interesting travel story in the news, 
We want to hear about it because it makes our job easier. Yes. <laughs> Make our job easier and send it to us via Meads. Yep, that's right. At Not So Bon Voyage on Instagram and Twitter, or you can hit us up on the website, notsobonvoyage.com, or email us through the contact form. Let us know. Tell us a story. Send us a link. It's really easy. You just, one day you're on the on the news informing yourself of what's happening and you go oh that's an interesting travel story bang send it to not so bon voyage because you know why you'll get a shout out you will you'll make our life easier you'll make the podcast run smoother you're gonna be the bomb you'll be the bomb we'll give we'll we'll talk you up yeah that's it we'll say you're very cool even if you're not we will we'll say it anyway we'll We'll make things up about you if we'll make make a really cool yeah cool stories and we will give you a shout out because we are giving a shout out to somebody uh, after you tell your story, who sent in their own personal story, which I can't wait to tell you because it's called Hostel Horror and it's going to be great. Nice. Okay, well, I'm about to tell you my story. Yeah. So here we go. It's actually a little bit similar to your story um, in that I am going to tell you the background of this person and then I will tell you the story. So this is a story about a man named this Aaron. This is a story. Don't this know. is a story all about how. I have to sneeze. Ooh. I love how Christine sneezes and she doesn't even turn away from the microphone. I like everybody to, at home to get the full experience of my sneeze. Sorry, I got a cold, I think. It is yeah, what it is. We both kind of have colds. We're a bit sniffly today. Yeah. If you're hearing it on the mic, we apologize. But, you know, that's life, babies. That's life. That's what it is what it is. You get colds. It you happens. Colds. Okay, so my story is about Aaron Ralston. Oh, Aaron. Oh, Aaron. Spelled A-R-O-N. Without the double A. Without the double A or the E. It's just and his wait, own. wait, an E? Without, well, E-R-I-I-N. E-R-I-N. Uh, E-R-I-N? Yeah, oh, Aaron. Aaron. No, yeah, like female, female. You know they're two completely different names. Well, they're both called Aaron. No, they're pronounced one is completely... Aaron and one is Aaron. No, they're pronounced exactly the no same way. way. Yes, way. Hashtag Aaron versus Aaron. Weighed in on the discussion. There's no... You know they're two different names. No, they're not. So A, A-A-R-O-N. Yes. Aaron mm-hmm. and E-R-I-N, Aaron. You're they're saying they're the same name. pronounced the same. They're the same name, different spelling. One's for a boy and one's for a girl. Oh, okay. I'm gonna have to look this up. Okay, someone or you guys, please comment. We're gonna. I'm gonna make an Instagram post about this at Not So Bon Voyage. Way okay. in. This vote. is blowing my mind right now. I've never heard of this before, and I will categoric categorically disagree that this is. Aaron. Please and Aaron. weigh in and vote because okay. I need to be right. So you mean like Aaron Carter? And Aaron Brockovich have the same name, but one yes. thing. Okay. All right. We have to continue. We have to continue for now. But we can we'll debate co- this we'll, forever. We'll come back to this. We'll come back to this. Uh, so Aaron Ralston. <laughs> Losing it here. Is 27. He's a mechanical engineer from Denver. He's an outdoorsy guy. He likes to be outdoors. He's an adventure man. He likes to rock climb. He's no Aaron. He's an Aaron, and he loves he loves being outside. In 2002, he moves to Aspen to climb rocks full time. To climb rocks, you mean to do uh, rock climbing? To do rock climbing, climb mountains, he's climbing things, various. Maybe he does parkour. I don't know. Maybe he's climbing ladders. We don't parkour, know. Parkour. Could be climbing anything. So he's preparing to climb Denali, which is the highest peak in North America. That is in Alaska. I have. That sounds right. Yes. Denali National Park is okay. in Alaska. 
Yes. 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 Christine's looking with a blank look on her face going, yes. I just think every high mountain is in Nepal. Yeah. I just go all, I go to Nepal in my head. I'm always there. So Denali is the highest peak in North America. It's in Alaska. We are 99% sure. Uh, so his plan, so he moves to Aspen. His plan is to climb all of Colorado's 14ers, which are mountains that are at least 14,000 feet tall. They're okay, the, called that, the 14ers. Because that could go, I mean, in a different context, that conversation would go way different. He's going to climb all the 14ers. That actually sounds really creepy. And I did creepy. not put that together until it came out of my mouth. He's going to mount all the 14ers. Yes. Uh, he wants to conquer them. It's his personal goal to it's conquer. His personal goal. To and he wants all- to do it alone. <laughs> that I mean, in the snow. And he wants to get this away with is, it. Uh, this is just, these are the facts here. Okay, so Aaron's now a sex predator, but anyway, continue <laughs> okay. the story. No, he's not. Okay, we need to be, I don't want to get sued for libel here. Um, they we are. We just say we're talking about Aaron Kraskel. Yeah, E R I N. Yeah. Um, okay, no, 14ers are uh, mountains that are at least 14,000 feet tall. They're very tall. Uh, he wants to climb them in the snow alone. To prepare for Denali. In February of 2003, he has a near-death experience while backcountry skiing in Colorado with two friends. He gets caught in an avalanche and his he gets buried from his neck down. Uh, his friends have to dig him out and then they have to dig out uh, this other friend that has also been buried. So he basically almost dies that day. Very intense. There had been an avalanche warning on the mountain that day, but they didn't even bother to check. So he's a bit of a reckless dude. He Seems is, a bit irresponsible. He's a little irresponsible. He's a bit of a crazy wild man. I he think just, he's a bit of a creep. No, he's not a creep. I don't know anything. I don't want to put Still that really, reputation out there. I don't stick know. Stick to the 18ers, man. Yes. God. Wait, let's not go down this uh, <laughs> this trail here. So that was February 2003. On April 25th, 2003, same year, next month, no, two months later. Two months late. He travels. Terrible at months. I'm better at math when we're not recording, but that's neither here nor there. On April 25th, 2003, he travels to southeastern Utah to Canyonlands National Park. I thought you were going to say to Candyland. I was like, (laughs) he travels to the Candyland. And he finds the Candyman. We've been to... Oh, that got dark now. That's a terrifying movie. I've never seen it, so I'm not scared of it. We've been to Canyonlands. We have been to Canyonlands. It's so pretty. It's a beautiful spot. That's where they have Mesa Arch, where you get the beautiful sunrise or sunset. Maybe one of the two. And you had your big injury. I did. I sprained my ankle doing a very difficult, strenuous climb in which I was leaving our van. (laughs) We hiked all over. We hiked all through Utah. We did all these these tough hikes, and then Christine slipped out of the van when we were going to do some dishes, and she rolled her ankle on the step, and she was bandaged up for a couple of days. To be fair, it was a long descent. I missed a step, and I fell on my ankle, and it swelled up like a balloon, like a grapefruit. That ankle, and you went down like a sack of potatoes. You're like, no, oh! and you laughed at me. <laughs> First things first, make sure the person is not seriously injured, then laugh. I'm pretty sure that ankle has never fully gone down. I have a a lifetime kinkle now. It's never going away. No, that's all the chocolates. Okay. I don't think your ankles get fat from eating chocolate, but you never know. So anyway, we have been to Canyonlands National Park, just like Aaron Walston. 
He goes in on April 25th, 2003 to Canyonlands National Park. He leaves the park five days later, missing an arm. Oh, this is the arm guy. This is the arm guy. This is the guy who, what did he do, chew his arm off? No. This is the guy who cut off his arm in the park 127 hours. 127 hours. This is James Franco. This is James Franco, (laughs) basically. So this guy wrote a book. It's called Between a Rock and a Hard Place. I just saw that on Amazon. Is it a new book? No. No, it's not new. Okay. That's a great title, by the way. Well, I, that was going to be the title of my story, and then I figured you'd figure it out by that. I probably wouldn't, but I feel like I recently saw it on Amazon. Mm, it's on there, along with every other book that ever existed. A Rock and a Hard Place. Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Love it's a it. good one. Okay, so you know, I actually don't know much about this guy's story. Well, I've never seen the movie. I've I'm never ne- read the book. Me either. And I've always wanted to learn about this, and I, I've always wanted to do it. So, and I knew he lives. You obviously, always wanted to cut your arm off. I always wanted. To, I'm really into cutting arms off. So I thought, let's learn how this happens. It's a very interesting story. Well, I'm very interested to hear this story because I have never looked at the details. Truth to the podcast, to the voyages. I just knew. I just know he got his arm caught and he cut it off and he lived. Yes. Okay, you just told the whole story. It's done. Let's do it. It can't end the podcast. (laughs) Okay, now there's a few more details. So in the morning, 9 a.m., he starts riding his bicycle to Blue John Canyon, which is a canyon that's about 11 miles long. Sorry, it's an 11-mile-long gorge. So it's inside Canyonlands. It's inside Canyonlands, but I think it's pretty far in. It's not something – it's not one of the popular ones, I don't think. I had no idea this story happened at Canyonlands. Me neither. I didn't even – when we went to Canyonlands, I never thought of it or like – I guess it's they, so busy there. I guess they probably don't publicize it. Come on down to Canyonlands. It's where the guys cut their arms off. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> That's their jingle. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Um, no, it, yes, it happened in Canyonlands, which is come weird on, to come me. Come on down to Canyonlands. Our gorgeous, uh, our gorgeous are harmless. Oh, they're harmless. They're harmless. <laughs> oh, boy. We're just going to have all the. Bad puns on this podcast episode. Yeah. This guy is definitely going to sue us. This guy is probably going to sue us. Please don't sue us, Aaron Ralston. Um, Anyway, so he was in Canyonlands. He starts riding his bicycle to Blue John Canyon, which I did not hear about when we were there. And it makes me think that it's pretty far into the park. Plus, he's a pretty experienced climber. I think he's not doing the, you know, typical whatever. He's about the challenges. He's always a challenger. So he so Blue John Canyon is an 11-mile-long gorge. At parts of this gorge, it's only three feet wide. So if you don't know what a gorge is, it's down and it's narrow. Sometimes you walk through it. You really need to see Christine's hand movements. I've got for, some for hand movements really... going on. I'm like making a V. Christine looks like she's directing a plane. (laughs) Directing a plane. Something with her hands. They're going up. They're sort of like signaling. Coming into the runway. Yep. If you don't know what a gorge is, just look it up. Google it. Google it. You ever heard of it? So around 2.45, he is in, he's well into the park. He's been bicycling. He's descending into the canyon when a giant rock, aka a boulder, above him slips he falls it slips and hits his right hits his left hand and then it falls and his right hand becomes lodged between the canyon wall and this 800 pound boulder Ooh. 
It's a big ass boulder. It's a big ass boulder. It's an, ain't no little rock. You're not moving this thing. Yeah. This is like at least four Dwayne the Rock Johnsons. That's a that's actually a great analogy. Probably no more. There'd be like three, three. Yeah. He's probably, How, he's probably at least two fifty. Easy. Yeah. He's a muscle man. He's a he's a pure muscle. Yeah. It's three. He the, might be eight hundred pounds. I feel like from now on we should just measure things weight in Dwayne the Rock Johnson. We, by next episode we'll find out the exact weight. Of what Dwayne The Rock Johnson is, and every time we have to refer to weight, we'll refer to how many Dwayne The Rock Johnsons it is. We can do a conversion. Mm-hmm. I love it. Love it. Okay, that's our new barometer of weight. So he's trapped 100 feet below the desert surface in this gorge. He's two, He's sorry, two, 20 miles from the closest paved road. So he's far away from he's where far. a lot of people are. He, just like your yawn in your story... He didn't tell anyone where he was going. He did not leave a note. I don't think he had a cell phone, or if he did, he didn't get service because he had no way of contacting anybody. Or it was, or it was in his right hand. Or it was in his right. <laughs> that would be. Oh my god, that would it's be like I got the a worst. Fucking hell. He's like, I just can't get it. <laughs> so he, all he has to drink in his pack is two burritos, which I think is hilarious. Well, he has to drink. Sorry, drink. Eat and drink. <laughs> I mean, you can blend a burrito and put it in a camelback if you want. A, a smoothie burrito? Burrito yeah. smoothie? Yeah. Could that be good? Mm. In, would it fit through a camelback? Mm, we'll uh, investigate. Depends on the burrito. Maybe like a soft bean burrito. Refried. So he has two burritos, which immediately I just want two burritos because it sounds delicious. I was like, he'll be fine. If you have two burritos, I feel like you can survive anything with two burritos. Yeah. One burrito, not so much. Two burritos, definitely. You're fine. He has crumbs from a candy bar that I'm guessing he had previously eaten, and he has some water. But at some point, he runs out of water, and he has to dr- start drinking his own urine. You know, you can do that. That happens. I feel like if you're an experienced hiker, burritos are not the things you take out. Isn't a burrito a funny thing? It's a very funny thing to take. Like, if you're an experienced hiker, and you're going, you know the people who really get into things, it's like, it's they're the people who, like, settle down. We get it. Yeah, they have the, the Lycra shorts. They've got the little uh, gel packets that give them the energy. They travel with They cliff have the bar- finger toe shoes. They've got cliff bars. They've got things. This guy's just rocking out with burritos. Well, I love a good cliff bar just when I'm at home on a Saturday afternoon. I know, but, you know. Yeah, they know. have all the things, the, the gadgets yeah, and the whatever. Like, but, you know, they just live at REI. Yeah, but I don't think this guy was like that because he did this backcountry skiing. He didn't have one of those avalanche detectors or whatever he's a renegade he's a renegade i think he's more of a like i'm a cool hiker you yeah. know my pants don't zip off at the knee oh. i don't even wear a hat i'm hmm. just crazy i'm just yeah. doing my thing out sunglasses, there sunglasses whatever what a who needs them or he's got like ray-bans like yeah. real ray-bans or something uh we don't know this is all conjecture mm. but it makes it funny <laughs> it makes it funny i'm picturing this guy in board shorts a singlet. Maybe he's got flip-flops on. He's got flip-flops on. He's got a burrito in one hand, real Ray-Bans in the other. And he's like, fuck it, let's go hiking. 20 miles, let's do it. Let's do it. We're doing it. So at some point, he runs out of water. He has to drink his own piss. Who hasn't? You know, we've all been there. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, he realized that basically he's screwed. He push, He can't push himself out. He's got an 800-pound boulder on him. He can't. There's no way for him to escape. He tries to chip away the boulder. It's not happening. So eventually he thinks, I'm going to have to cut my damn arm off. Damn. Uh, all he has is this cheap multi-tool. 
He doesn't have a proper knife. So he's not prepared. This is an important fact. He does not have a proper knife. He has a dull, cheap multi-tool. Like a Swiss army knife or something. Yes. Like something your grandma would give you. He It actually was never released what brand it was. He said it wasn't a Leatherman. He said the way he described it was it's the kind you'd get for free if you bought a $15 flashlight. Okay. So this thing is crap. Piece of shit. So he basically figures out it's not going to be sharp enough to cut through bone, which is a problem. He's trying to make some tourniquets. He makes some superficial cuts to kind of get an idea what he's working with, if it's going to work. And eventually he thinks there's no way this dull tool is going to get the job done, which is what I think about you all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) My little dull tool. I love you. Just JK, guys. We're very happily married now. Yeah, it's okay. So, so honeymoon's over. <laughs> we can say what we really think of each other. Get Just, me out of here. Get me out of this podcast. So, back to Aaron. He is dis- deliriously thirsty at this point. So he's, he's drank all his piss. He's drank all his piss. He's drank all his water. He's not pissing anymore at this point. He's drinking piss version two. He is very yeah. It's like re re you know circled piss. It's not good. Not it's worse the second time. So he's basically resigned to the fact that he's going to die out there. He, While he's out there, he uses the tool to carve his name, his birthday, and the day's date, which he thought would be the date of his death, and the letters R.I.P. on the canyon wall to kind of, you know, say this, you know, this commemorate. It. It's his tombstone, essentially, which I think is really interesting because I'm wondering if you can go there and find that. Mm. I wonder if that's become kind of like a tourist attraction. Yeah, that's interesting. Or if it's rubbed off, or maybe they they might have rubbed it off. Who knows? He also uses a video camera to tape goodbyes to his family, which you can watch the actual footage on Ooh, the wow. internet. Yeah, so we're gonna put that in the show notes. You can watch him really do that. He eventually falls asleep, and he's like, "I'm gonna die." He has a dream that he is playing with a small child, and he only have has half of his right arm. He wakes up and he thinks, that is my future. I'm going to have, because he doesn't have any children at this point. He's like, I have to survive. Like, I'm going to have a he child. He has a premonition. He ha- he's got some, you know, motivation now. So he has this epiphany and he's like, I can't cut through my bones, but I can break them. Yeah. Woo! Nobody's ever been happier to break their own bones. <laughs> so he manages to break his arm bones. Oof. He makes a tourniquet from the tube of his camelback water bottle. So he cuts off the circulation of his arm. Then he uses his blunt-ass little cheap, free little knife to cut through his skin and muscle. He's hacking away. He uses a... uh, if If you are queasy, maybe stop listening to this. (laughs) Block your ears for 30 seconds. Block your ears. He uses a pair of pliers to cut through his tendons. Ooh, goddamn. He's obviously cutting through nerves. He's cutting through all the good stuff. He saves his arteries for last because once you cut those, it's like a bloodbath and you have limited time. Damn, it's actually interesting that he he knew, like, he could cut it. Like, oh, fuck, I can't even picture this. This is insane. He knew what was what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was conscious. You'd think you'd pass out from the pain. Absolutely. But I guess he was probably so, he was probably running on adrenaline. Yeah. His arm apparently had started to decompose because it was cut 
the I guess mm. circulation was cut off under the boulder. So in the movie, the scene is about like a minute or two where he's cutting this off. It really took about an hour for him to cut it all off. Oh, he this is so lost. Full on. It's full on. He lost 25% of his body's blood. So he saves the artery for last. His adrenaline is kicking in. And he said he's actually like really happy. because I mean, he, it's like you're going to die anyway. You might as well so try. You we might have a shot. Well, he basically said he was getting euphoric because he actually was able to take action and do something, mm. you know, to, for, to get out of this predicament. So he chops off his arteries. His arm is off. He's free. He said he smiled. He's smiling at this point. He's a sicko. So then not only – so then he chops off his arm. He looks up and someone's there to rescue him. No, I'm just kidding. No, oh God. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, someone actually put that as a comment on YouTube. Like, what if he went through all this trouble to cut off his arm and some, and he looks up and someone's like, oh, hey, dude, I'm here to rescue you. Oh, my God. You'd be like, don't worry about it. Hey, I got this. Yeah. No. What happens is he climbs out of the canyon, rappels down a 65-foot sheer cliff, hikes six miles back towards his car, all starving, dehydrated, losing blood, and he's only got one hand. He does all that. He, on the way back to the car, he runs into a family from the Netherlands who have been hiking. And Can you imagine that? Oh, my God. Well, they knew that uh, somebody was missing out there because at this point there was a search party, there were helicopters, but the helicopters couldn't spot him under the boulder. So they knew that somebody was out there. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, this guy's coming towards us. It was like, oh, shit, this is a guy. But it would have been freaky as That would have still been freaky. Like, he would have just been spurting blood. Yeah, I guess he found a way to... He must, I, must have, I mean, he had to turn... He made a turn. He would have had to block it off. Otherwise, he would have just bled out. But it still would have been pretty bloody, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. And it, this got like, he had lost 40 pounds. He was just, like, obviously extremely disheveled, disoriented. Oof. Ooh, that would have been quite a sight. So this family from the Netherlands gives him Oreos, water. They call the medics. That must have been the best damn Oreo of his life. Oh, yeah. He should be sponsored by Oreos. Yeah, seriously. By the time he found that family, by the time he was rescued by the medics, it had been four hours after he'd cut off his own arm. They said if he had waited any longer, he would have bled out. He would have. It would have been over. So he was rescued. They've stitched up his arm. Well, they didn't stitch up, but they yeah, stitched yeah, up yeah. his nub. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, and he ended up being fine. So this is the aftermath. He was rescued. Park rangers actually went back and retrieved his arm and hand. It took 13 rangers, a hydraulic jack, and a winch to remove the boulder. Ooh. So they said that basically even if they had found him, they probably would have had to amputate anyway. Like, it would have been On too hard. Yeah, 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 exactly. So they probably would have been able to do it a little bit cleaner, but he would have lost his arm either way. Yeah. So they brought him his arm. No, sorry. They, <laughs> they cremated his arm and hand, and they returned it to Aaron. Uh, and on his 28th birthday, which was six months later, he returned to the canyon and scattered the ashes because he said that's where they belonged. That's where the ashes belonged. Damn. Currently, he's the father of two. So wow. he, he did have the kid. Some people say that the kid that he envisioned in his dream turned out to be like what his kid actually looked like, but I couldn't find any confirmation of that. He still continues to climb 
And just two years after the accident, he became the first person to do all 59 of Colorado's 14ers alone and in the snow. So he's still just he's still killing, killing it. it. Obviously, they made the movie 127 Hours with James Franco. That film was nominated for six Oscars. I really want to watch it now. It it was apparently I'm apparently it was really good. I didn't realize it was so critically acclaimed, but it uh, was nominated for best picture and best actor, hmm. and six like four other Oscars. So it's pretty impressive. Aaron has said the movie is so factually correct that it's basically a documentary. Wow. He also said it's the best film ever made. <laughs> okay, which is yeah. hilarious. Okay, settle down, mate. And he's like, I look exactly like James Franco. I don't yeah. know how they did that. <laughs> Uh, apparently during screenings, people were throwing up, audience members were throwing up, passing out, and they needed medics to help during the amputation scene. He's which, like, he's like, bitch, I fucking cut that arm off. Yeah, seriously. And people are like, can't even handle watching the movie. I watched this scene without any sound. Apparently the sound is very intense. But even that, it's a very bloody scene. I mean, they're they don't hold back. They're he's got blood like all over him. They show, you know, the arm. Well, it's extremely I, I intense. Watch this movie now. Yeah, so now we have to watch the movie. So that is the story of Aaron who cut off his arm. Aaron the armless. Aaron the Aaron Ralston, who has one arm now. Wow. Okay. That's a that's a really great story because I it's everybody knows well, I don't know if everybody knows the story, but I feel like a lot of people know the story because it was so such a huge story, but I didn't know any of the details. Yeah, I don't remember the story happening. Do you remember it in two thousand three? Uh I do. I oh, remember you do. well not I just remember the story coming out about a guy who had to cut his own arm off. I definitely remember that. I don't remember it. All I remember was 127 hours. Oh, no. I remember the story because I just remember being like, fucking hell, like, that's insane. Yeah. But then, obviously, it became a lot more – it became a lot bigger um, once the movie came out. Right. So the moral of the story is tell people where you are. But, I mean, even with that, you know, it's like you could be anywhere in that park. The other moral of the story is to always carry a good knife. So if you need to cut your arm off, off. you can do it a lot cleaner. Good idea. That's a great moral. And carry three burritos just in case. I think just probably just hike with a buddy. Yeah. Get a buddy. Get a friend. Make a friend. Get one of those GPS beacons where you can send out a a distress signal. Yeah. Okay. That's a better. I mean, I feel like all of our stories come back to some very simple principles. Buy one of those GPS tracker things and you're fine. Yeah, and tell people where you are. Tell people where you are. Boom, done. Nailed it. Next. Next. You should go after a GPS tracker sponsor. Yes. Good idea. Yeah, okay. Mm. All right. Well, that was a great story, and we're coming to a close. But before we do, I want to pull out one of our Voyager tales because I think uh, this is going to be something we've been talking about for a while and this one came up, and I thought it was a great segue into what I think should be next week's theme for our podcast, which is about hostels. And this story comes from Kayleen, and it's called I've called it Hostel Horror. But I think a lot of people have got some stories like this, but I think it's very interesting um, to hear about people's experiences in hostels. And so Kayleen's a listener, so shout out. I know she'll be listening uh, thank you for sending in your story to our Instagram at Not So Bon Voyage. And this is the story. It was at the time she was living in Paris and she was planning a girl's trip for some of her friends to Germany. 
So, okay, you know, she's living her best life. Actually, I don't know a lot of the backstory. <laughs> I mean, if you're living in Paris, you're you living, are living your best, your best life. life. Like, dream life. She's living her best life. She's enjoying Parisian life. You know, but maybe she's running a little low on money at the time, and so she's planning this trip, and she decides she's going to look for hostels for a girl's trip. You know, it's a great budget option. They offer some very affordable places to stay. A it's good of- for a girl's trip. It's fun and social. It's fun and social. Well, maybe this one could be a little bit too social. Who knows? Mm. So she focused more on the price and less on the reviews, and she picks the cheapest one and doesn't even look to see what anyone's saying. She just goes, that's the cheapest one, and it's all good. Roll so those she, dice. So she rolls the dice, and she books herself into a big co-ed room in, uh, in Germany. Nothing wrong with a co-ed room, you know, depends like that. I mean, as a guy, maybe it's a little bit different. You know, yeah. he's pretty a lot more comfortable with that as a girl. As a, I'm assuming she's probably younger at the time. She's mm-hmm. got all her friends, you know, big co-ed room. So they check in. Things are going well. Uh, they see their they first up. They see their bunks with a pretty good looking German guy, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, he's a nice guy." They're like, "Okay, things are going pretty good." Mm, Next okay. guest to check into the room wasn't as accommodating. An older man checks in, and he's got his own speaker, and he starts blasting all his own music oh. all night while drinking rosé out of a bag. Oh, so this guy's having his own party. That guy's a classy mofo. He's a classy mofo having his own party. Then, just as they're trying to get to sleep, or like later in the night, an older gentleman, heavy set Israeli man, as they described him, as uh, she described him, decides he's just going to kick it completely buck naked on the bed. Oof. Next to one of Kayleen's friends. Oh. So she's got his hairy bare ass oh. three foot away from her face until he decides to flip over. And give her the old full frontal cock shot and to say g'day. Oh, barf. <laughs> so, so the girls aren't having the best time. They, they survive the night, though. They check out as fast as they can the next morning. Kayleen, eager to get out of there as quick as she can, she hits the stairs on a run only to trip on somebody's vomit oh. that a friendly neighbor had left out for her in the morning. Literally barf. Literally barf. So they book it out of there. And now Kayleen's travel takeaway is that she she always looks at reviews and she sticks to female only dorms uh, in the future. So we thought that was a funny funny hostel horror story. Good takeaways. And we've got a couple, and I just oh my god, it, it just brought back so many memories. And Christine so and I've been memories. traveling for over ten years. We spent a good part of the start of our travels in hostels. We love hostels. Now we don't stay stay in them as often as we've advanced through the travel ranks and obviously make a bit more money now. But but we've spent many, many a year staying in hostels and we have some amazing stories. And that's what you have to look forward to tomorrow. No, next week. Next week. We're <laughs> next doing week. a hostel theme episode. We're going to do a hostel theme. We're going to tell some of our crazy stories. And we've already been looking up some very, very funny stories that are in the news and that is floating around from people's hostel stays. And if you want to jump in, and get in early. I mean, hit us up. Yeah, hit us up. Find us on social media and tell us your ho- hostile horror stories. Hostile horror story. Everybody's got one. Yeah. And so we're going to link everything in the show notes. Christine's going to write those up as soon as we finish this. We're going to put some links to videos. We're going to put a link to Kayleen and say thank you very much for sending in your story. Thanks, and, girl. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks for listening. And if you want your story told, make sure you got to hit us up. Not so bon voyage, Instagram, Twitter. Hashtag not so bon voyage. Join in the conversation. And I think we're wrapping up. Get on the line and talk to us. On the line. Next week, Hostel Horrors. Yeah. Thanks a lot. It's been great. It's been great. We're going to peace out and uh, be safe on the road. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Bye. Bye, bitches.